Hi there, welcome to Mosaic Intercultural Church, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I'm the Executive Director and Pastor of Mosaic, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Mosaic, you can find us online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. So you've got in your little pamphlets, in your bulletins, you have the passage that I'm going to read from the, from the letter to the Hebrews. Now, this is called the letter to the Hebrews because it was written to Jewish Christians. Hebrews just means people who are Jewish. Um, <clears throat> so this is from Hebrews chapter 9, starting at verse 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption." The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? That's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, here's, the, here's what we're going to talk about right now. Apart from God, we all are defiled and we all are distant. But Jesus Christ has bought for us eternal redemption. So if we, apart from God, are defiled and distant, then we need to ask the question, like, should we despair But if God has offered us and has bought for us eternal redemption, then should we not rejoice? That's it. That's the whole sermon. So if you want to go home, have a good one. Now, when you read this, uh, some of this sounds pretty obscure. This is pretty far from our day-to-day experience, right? I don't, uh, has anybody attended uh, an animal sacrifice in your life? Okay, because I mean, they, they do happen sometimes. Okay, so this is something that is very uh, outside of our experience, this, this talk of animal sacrifices. Okay, so what does it have to do with us? Well, let's, let's just build a couple of bridges. This author is writing a sermon to a community of Jewish Christians who are really struggling. They might have been the focal point of some riots in the city of Rome, they might have been kicked out of their homes. And if they were kicked out of their homes, then their houses were looted. They, they lost their possessions. And they're not part of a big community. They're not like, it's not, it's not like they're part of a global Muslim movement or they're part of a big global Christian movement. They're just a small group of Jewish people who believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that Jesus has redeemed them. 
And because they believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that Jesus is God, that Jesus has redeemed them, they're causing a lot of controversy. And they are suffering a lot. And you've got to, I mean, you've got to imagine that if you're in their shoes, you might be asking, is this really worth it? Is it really worth it? We could, we could go back to worshiping in the ways that the Jewish people all recognize as good and that doesn't get us in trouble with our Roman neighbors. But this is written to them to say to them, hey, Jesus is much greater than you ever imagined. And what the author is doing is he is going back to their Jewish roots and he is drawing on the insight of what God had given to their ancestors and saying, everything that God did for our ancestors points to Jesus. And one of the biggest things that God had given to our ancestors is this tent. It's a tent. It's not a, it's not a mech nylon tent like you might see underneath our stairs here. It's not a tent like that. It's a tent made of animal skins. A tent that is set up to be a copy of God's courtroom in the heavenly places, the place where God dwells in all of his holy goodness with all of the angels that serve him. And, and the tent was called the tabernacle. And God had given them that tabernacle so that they could learn about him and that they could learn about how to, how, like, what, like, they could learn something, I should say, about how to come close to God. But God had also given them priests and he had given them rules about what the priests should do. And one of the things that we've talked about for the last couple of weeks is that the priests were to give two things on behalf of the community, give two things to God, gifts and sacrifices. And the gifts would come as, as the appropriate response of creatures saying to their creator, God, you've been so good to us. We want to give you back what you have given to us. So the priest, would, the people would bring their, their gifts to the priest. The priest would offer the gifts up to God with fire. And it was a party. It was just like God has given us so much and we're going to give back to God what he has given to us. It's a party. It's a feast. Our God is so good. The sacrifices were also the offerings of animals when the people realized that they had defiled themselves by their sin. When the people realized we have done what is wrong, we have become corrupt, we have become evil, we have actually harmed ourselves and our community through our sin, and we need God to make us right. And so what we're going to do to demonstrate to God that we are wanting to change and we want God to forgive us is we are going to bring animals to God as a sacrifice. We're going to bring them to the priests, and the priests will offer those to God. And the blood of the animal will purify us. And so the priest then would also have to offer sacrifices on their own behalf, because the priests are just like people like you and me. They just get dirty by their own sin the same way that you and I do. But the priests were there to give gifts and sacrifices to God. So here's where I think the Jewish people and we, living in Canada, Gentile people, most of us, I don't know, maybe some of you are Jewish, but living in our time, most of us do not have any category for really being defiled, right? Like, I, I, maybe, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but when I, when I look around us, I think, I don't know that we go around feeling defiled very much or thinking that our def, if we are defiled and dirty, that somehow that has something to do with God. But it really does. It really does. There are things that defile us, and we do experience it every day in very powerful ways. 
And it does have a lot to do with us and God. The thing is that we don't have animals that we're offering to God, right? And actually, at the time that this was written, the animal sacrifice system, everybody knew you couldn't get forgiveness through that anymore. Because even though people were offering sacrifices to God at the Jewish temple, everybody knew that the priests were, I was going to say they were in bed with the Romans. That's a really kind of, that's a harsh way to put it in church. So the, the priests were chosen by Roman people who did not believe in the Jewish God. And so if you wanted to go and make your life right with God, what were you supposed to do? You go to offer your sacrifice at the temple and you know that that thing is just going to make you dirty. And so people would go out maybe to prophets that were in the wilderness. They would try all these things to say, God, we, need, we know that we are defiled. We know we need forgiveness. Where are we supposed to look? And in our time, I think that we've actually given up on the possibility of being made clean. And so it makes us want to deny the need to be made clean. So let's just see what Jesus had to say about that. If you have a Bible, you can uh, turn over to Mark chapter 7. I want to encourage you not to look at your phone right now. So if you have your Bible on your phone, only look at it if you can stay off of Instagram. (laughs) So Mark chapter 7. Verses 21 and, uh, and following. This is what Jesus says. I'll start with verse 20. Jesus went on. What comes out of a person, what comes out of a person, is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality Theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, which means uh, being completely like unrestrained sexually, right? And just kind of like letting it all hang out. Um, Envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and they defile a person. So Jesus is, is actually taking this this reality of defilement, and, he's, and what he's saying in this context is, it's not what you eat, it's not how you dress that defiles you. It's what's coming out of our hearts, right? And, and so like, when we think about cleaning things, if, you, if any of you have worked in a commercial kitchen, you know how to purify things, right? You know that when you're working in a commercial kitchen, you get that countertop, that stainless steel countertop, you get bleach on that thing, you wipe it down, you follow all the rules so that that can be spotless. Our hearts are not like countertops. We're not like countertops. You don't just wipe the surface of a human heart and that's the end. When you think about other kinds of like physical defilement, you might think about uh, pollution, right? You go up north and you see these huge factories in the middle of forests and, and they're on rivers because they are generally, like, like the way that they make paper or whatever right now, they, they'll generate a lot of waste and they will... They will send that waste into the river so that the river will carry it away. Well, that's a little bit closer to the, to the point, right? That actually we need to put regulations on our factories so that, that the pollution that's coming out of them doesn't get into the rivers that life depends on. Those rivers bring life to us all. They provide life for the fish, life for the plants throughout huge areas. And so we have to put, we have to clean up our factories so that the rivers that bring life are clean. 
that's a little bit closer to our hearts. There are thoughts within us, desires within us that generate pollution, and we need God to make us clean so that his life flows and brings life to others through us. So let me just ask you, if, you can, if you've experienced this, this kind of like defilement that comes out of the human heart. Okay, have you run into anybody lately who you thought was f- just a fool? Like, you're just full of folly. Okay, I got one nod. Okay, okay, I guess see, see a couple of nods. Have you met anybody lately who's, who's really arrogant? You're like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, arrogant. Okay, all right. Do you like being around those people? No? Is that those people you kind of like, how do I end this conversation and we'll just kind of go our way and, right? So isn't that interesting? So when, when we're around people who are foolish and arrogant, we want to separate ourselves from them. Defilement creates distance between us as people and between us and God. Now, we so clearly in the church right now, in our whole society, based on how we're responding to COVID-19, right? People who are anti-vax look at people who are pro-vaccinated and they say, y'all are fools. You are so foolish. You are selling out to the establishment. And people who are getting vaccinated and who trust the scientists are looking at the anti-vaxxers and saying, you are so foolish. You are so arrogant that you think you are smarter than all of the scientists. And our folly and our arrogance which on both sides, you can be right about the issue and still be foolish and arrogant, right? Our folly and our arrogance defiles us. And that's a problem. By the way, you should get vaccinated and you should wear your mask, but. um, I'm very serious about that. And when you think about about the impact of greed, right? We, We think about people who uh, we think about greed not so much as an individual thing in our time, right? But when you think about what's happening right now with um, uh, every child matters, when we, when we discover the unmarked graves of indigenous children, we realize that the murders committed by colonial governments defile us. And for the first time in our nation's history, I think, like on Canada Day, the day when we all would celebrate the re- like this amazing country and we would say, yes, like we're so proud to be Can- Canadian. For the first time in 2021, when Canada Day came around, like public leaders said, I'm not so sure that we should be celebrating Canada. That's powerful. We're recognizing that the colonial oppression that, that is part of our history defiles us as a nation, defiles us as a people. That's real. It does defile us. That's murder. Jesus says that defiles us. It comes out of our hearts, and that's defiling. It's fueled by greed, right? That, that wealthy people, powerful people want to steal land so that they can get wealthier. Okay, that's greed. That defiles us. So defilement is very real. But for us, like I was saying earlier, my contention is, my, my argument is that today we've given up on the possibility of being made clean. I think that's true. I think we've given up. Because the options for us are, well, if I recognize in my own heart that I'm arrogant and that I, and I don't want to be in the same room as people who I think are fools, well, who's going to teach me to love my enemies? Like, how, how can I do that? 
And usually we don't. We don't say that. We don't say, I need to be made clean because I don't like that person. We usually say, that person is the problem, and they need to change. And so we say, I don't need to be made clean. I'm not dirty. I'll just deny it. The governments have been saying that for years, and we're just doing the same thing as the governments. But that's not true. We are defiled by our arrogance. We are defiled by our greed. We are dirty because of our sin. And that defilement breeds distance. It's a sign to us that we are distant from our holy God, the holy one who created us that we are not connected to the source of all life. And this is where the secret promise hidden in the failure of that tent we were talking about becomes so important to us. Because the writer to the Hebrews says, you know what, when people went to worship at that tabernacle, at that tent, they would offer animals, and the animals would be killed, and the blood of the animals would purify. They would purify the things that had been contaminated by sin. And the writer to the Hebrews says, that's good. And it is good. Our sin defiles this world, and, it needs, and the world needs to be purified from our evil. And the blood of animals did that on the outside. But what the blood of animals could not do was transform the hearts of the people that were worshiping. The blood of the animals could not transform those hearts that desired evil, those hearts that kept on moving into greed and injustice. The blood of the animals could not transform the consciences of the people that came to worship. And so they failed to make the people genuinely clean. And if the people were not clean, then the way that they worshiped was just going to get dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. And that's where they were. The same thing is true for us. We look at Christians and we look at, like, we look at the church and we're like, look at us. We are defiled by our arrogance and our foolishness. We're defiled by our greed. Look at us. We know that there's a better way. Why can we not live it? Why are our consciences not transformed? Where are we to look? Where are we to go? And this is where the author, the author of the letter to the Hebrews says, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he purified once for all, all things. He has offered the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, that genuinely can transform our consciences so that we can offer worship to God. And Jesus makes a way for us into the holy place, the very reality of God's presence, so that we can be uh, so that distance, that distance between us and God that's caused by our defilement disappears. And God embraces us with his very life, his presence, his arms, his power embraces us and cleanses us so that we're no longer factories of impurity, factories of pollution. No, we are now like God's environmental renewal movement. He's renewing the environment of our hearts, and he's renewing the environment of our community with his love and his power and his holiness. And so this eternal redemption that Jesus has purchased for us takes us from despair to rejoicing, because the, the, the redemption that Jesus has bought for us extends to all people at all times. 
Jesus' redemption is not tied to a tent or a temple or a building. It's not tied to this building. It's not tied to, to the cathedral. It's not tied to any physical place. It doesn't depend on being there. Why? Because Jesus, when he died, he entered into the holy place where God the eternal one dwells in the spiritual realms. God is everywhere. Everywhere that God is, Christ has offered himself as a sacrifice. So everywhere where you are, God is, Christ has offered himself as a sacrifice there on your behalf. You go to work and you sit at your desk, bored out of your mind because you don't want to look at your computer screen. Jesus is there. He's offered himself as a sacrifice for your boredom and your bad attitude. He has. He has. You go to work and you can't stand your colleagues. Jesus is there and he's offered himself as a sacrifice for your bad attitude and for your lack of love for your neighbor. He has done it. You, go, you wake up in the morning, and you put your feet on the ground, and you don't want to wake up, and Jesus is there. He has offered himself as a sacrifice for you in your fatigue and your weakness so that you are no longer defiled before your heavenly Father, but right there at the side of your bed, you're in the holy place with the living God, and he longs to embrace you. He longs to let you know that his life is stronger than the death that you think holds you. Right? Amen. Amen. Now, how does that work for us? Because this is amazing to me, that God is able to do it. It's not just that God did it in the abstract. It's that God wants to purify our consciences so that we are set free from acts that lead to death. God wants us to be transformed in real time in real relationships. Well, how does that happen? Well, let's say you're at work and you're with a colleague that you don't like because that person is lazy, they're rude, they don't care about other people, and they're just a burden on your workplace. Of course, that's not you or me. So let's say that that's the person, right? Okay, so you're there. Jesus is there. And you realize, is this, whatever, whatever wrong this other person has done to you, you realize that what's happening is your heart is being exposed that your response to that person is exposing the dirt in your heart. And so you're like, okay, Jesus, you're here. You have just shown me my own hatred. You have just shown me my own impatience. You have just shown me my own intolerance. Jesus, I'm right here in your presence, and you have brought this to light. Then you turn to Jesus. It, it can be a moment. You just say, Lord, have mercy on me and forgive me. And you say to Jesus, Jesus, teach me to die with you. Because in our workplaces, in our homes, we have the privilege of entering the holy place in Jesus Christ who died. So we ask Jesus to help us die in that moment. Jesus, help me to die to myself. Help me to die with you, that you might make me alive. And then we choose to love that person. We choose to pursue truth. We choose to make the choice that Jesus asks us to make in relationship to that person. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When we are in these places, these relationships, where we are stressed out, we are angry, and our bad self-care is causing us all sorts of problems, Jesus is offering us the opportunity to die with him so that he might make us fully alive. This process of purifying our consciences happens through that. 
Just like if you've seen the, the pictures of people working with metal to purify metal, you put it into the crucible and it, and it releases the impurities of the metal to the surface so that it can be moved away. So the hard things in our lives burn up our hearts and expose the impurities so that we can bring them to Jesus and say, Jesus, cleanse me. Take it off. Make my heart the pure heart full of love from the Heavenly Father for those around me. That is what Jesus has done for us. And his redemption is available at all times, at all places, for all people. He has made a way for us into the very presence of the living God that we might be embraced by our Heavenly Father, transformed forever. Hallelujah. We are going to sing a song that celebrates this reality that Jesus is the sacrifice that makes us clean. And then we're going to come to the table and celebrate communion. I think. We are. Yes, it's ready. Okay, so people will bring up uh, the crackers and juice in a moment. So as we're, as we're entering into this moment of response, you can sing along with the worship team for sure. But it might be that God has been speaking to you and you are aware that there are areas of your life that you are saying to God, like, I know, I know that this doesn't please you, but I don't really want to talk to you about it. If that's you, take this time to talk to God about it. Come to him. He wants to set you free. He does not want you to live a life that's defiled. Jesus died to cleanse you. So talk to him about it. And then if you, uh, and then afterwards we will come to the table uh, to celebrate communion. We'll have some further instruction then. So let's just pray and then we'll, we'll respond. Lord Jesus, thank you for being our eternal redemption. Thank you for cleansing us from everything that defiles us. Thank you so much for putting us in situations where the impurity in our heart gets revealed. We ask that you would make us completely clean, that our consciences, our thoughts, our desires would overflow with the goodness that comes from you, and that you would lead us into love and good deeds in this world. We ask this in your name. Amen. been listening to a sermon podcast from Mosaic Intercultural Church in London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about Mosaic and about the work that we do, please check us out online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com.